Welcome to Grace New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Today, Randy is teaching about dark versus light. Please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 8.18 as we continue on in our series, A Christmas Story. Let's listen now. Open your Bibles, the Word of God, book of Isaiah. Chapter 9, we're actually going to spend some time in 8. As we get there, I want to give you some background as you're turning to that and remain standing, if you would. We're going to, I want to read this together, if you guys would stand as we read God's Word. And um, the people were in a bad place. Israel was in a time they were well acquainted with darkness. They were under the threat of invasion from the Assyrians. They had been battling all kinds of different people. And, and King Ahaz, the king of Judah, the, the southern kingdom, um, instead of going to life, instead of going to his God, he, he turned as he is being under attack from his own, really his own people, uh, Pekah, the, the king of Israel. Israel had turned against Judah. They had, they had aligned with other people. They were with the, with the Syrians, and they're battling. And, and this king, King Ahaz, goes to the Assyrians, the people who would one day overcome them, the, the people of the northern kingdom, and turns to them. And this passage, God says, listen, don't go to death to look for life. Do not go to death to look for life. There is a God. There is a God. Because, listen to me, church, scared things hide in the dark. Scared things hide in the dark Do not live in a place of darkness. God's word says this. I want to read two verses, nine, verse two. The people who walked in darkness, that implies they've been there for a while, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shown in verse six. I love this. For to us, your King James says unto us, is that what it says? A child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called, oh, I love this, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Anybody need an everlasting Father? A Prince of Peace. It takes, it takes authority to bring peace. Anybody can start a war. Think back to Thanksgiving at your house. It takes incredible authority to bring peace. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. Just to give you a little timeline here, as we look at this child who would come and and bring this peace, not a roaring battle king, but a child. Israel, God's people, Judah, They always thought they needed this roaring battle king, and God sends a baby. God sends a child into the midst of it. That's what he does, you know. You think you need this. What he says is you need this. The timeline here is is Isaiah's ministering in Judah, the southern kingdom, between about 740 and around 700, maybe up to about 690 B.C., where it moves backwards before Christ. Before, as, as Christ, he, he really isn't before Christ, he exists, but before he becomes Jesus. 
the humanity. He was always the deity before he becomes the humanity. David is 1,010. I put these notes there in your Bible. Solomon 970 and 931. Then something happens, and, and this is after, um, this is right in the midst of this timeline right here. Um, Solomon doesn't do the things God called him to do. And Jeroboam, his commander, his basically his right-hand man, goes and separates from that line, and Rehoboam, Solomon's son, is, is the king of Judah, but Jeroboam leads a revolt, and they go up to Dan, and they build another temple. Because you know what? Where your worship is, where your heart is. He doesn't want them to go to Jerusalem, because they go to Jerusalem, their heart will be drawn back to God. Their heart will be drawn back to each other as a people. Why are we at war with our own people? Why are we at war with ourselves? So, so they build this temple at Dan. I, we were at Dan. Uh, you guys sent us on that trip. Thank you, by the way. I got a couple of pictures of this here. Um, this, is, this, is the temple, this is the temple at Dan. It, it's there. They, they know where it is. Look at this next one. This is the stone. Um, that's the stone where they prepared the fire. See, here's the thing. The Bible, this isn't Aesop's fables or the farmer in the dell. This is real stuff, real time, real people. You got to do something. I, last week, I was talking to the students at, at Fallout. I said, listen, you got to do something with Jesus. 40, 40, authors out that, that 40 authors of that time that talked about who Jesus was. Tiberius, the, the, the Caesar, had 11. You got to do something with the person of Jesus, with who he was, with, because he, it was real time, real places, and, and this, is, this is at Dan. And, and then uh, Israel, the northern kingdom, goes into captivity, 721. Southern kingdom, 586. Babylon comes, destroys the, the, the temple. In 520, Zerubbabel, Nehemiah, Ezra, they go back. They start rebuilding the temple. 500 years, they call it the silent years before Jesus comes. That's just the timeline of this. So we're right in the middle. We're in the middle of this great, of, from the time of Israel's greatest power, David and Solomon, to essentially being a conquered people, totally at the whims of other leaders, other governments. The government was, was broken. The, the morality of the people was broken, and they're in this time. Let's go back to chapter 8. Look at verse 18. Because here's where this, this begins. He says, this is Isaiah saying, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents. That, that word portent, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a stronger sign. It's a sign and like a sign on steroids. The sign is the children. And by the way, you, you want to know when God's blessing a church? Walk down its kids' hallways. Come here on a Wednesday night. You might want to bring some earplugs, but what a beautiful sound it is. From the Lord of hosts, in Israel from the Lord of hosts, who dwells on Mount Zion. Watch this, because this, this is what King Ahaz is doing. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers, these are people, mediums, people trying to get things in the spirit world. Necromancers were people who would try to speak to the dead. He goes, you're, you're, you're inquiring of spirits, not the spirit of God, but, and you're trying to inquire of the dead to try to get wisdom from them. Look, look what he says. These, these people who chirp and mutter. You know any chirpers and mutters? 
You know, listen, here's the chirp. <laughs> Roll your eyes. That's chirping. Some of y'all want to chirp right now, don't you? Any of y'all married to a chirper? Do not raise your hand. <laughs> chirping. You know, it, it's like you hear something and you just, <clears throat> and then here's the, the mutter. See, the chirpers, they do it. The chirpers do it when they're in the meeting. They've loved Zoom. Chirpers have loved Zoom and the mask because if you're wearing the mask, you can't see who's doing it. <clears throat> you can't figure out who's doing that, you know? Boss is looking at who just chirped in this room. Can't figure out who. But then the mutterer, that's, that's a whole different thing. The mutterer sits there and smiles, and then they walk away. Any mutterers in the room, don't raise your hand. I'm not even going to get into which gender tends to be chirping and muttering. No, I, I don't have time to answer the emails this week. Remember, Anita at gfc.tv, if you got any issues. But... But I got a buddy that he's a mutterer. I've talked to him about this all the time. And he was in this meeting with his boss. And his boss was a jerk and was just, he was, this guy was not a good guy. I mean, he, he loves Jesus, but he could use some refinement. And, and, and he was just, just chewing my friend George, it's not George, that's not his name, chewing my friend George up one side and down the other in front of other people. And my friend George, he's a mutterer. He like, he like listens, and then he walks away. And I was always telling him, you gotta stop doing this. This is gonna get you in trouble. He's like, how? I'm like, because you're gonna do it at the wrong time. And his boss this one day just chews him out in front of a whole bunch of people. He turns around, he goes, he goes go over there and, and get that room straightened up and, and get those chairs ready. We got another meet. Just get over there and go and do that. And he turns around, and he goes, as if he thinks I'm actually gonna do that. And he stops and he goes, did I just say that out loud? <laughs> That's the problem when you live that way. It's gonna come out at the wrong time, chirping and muttering. Look what, look what God says. Should not a people inquire of their God? Should, shouldn't they, they go to the God? Look at this, verse 19. Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Horoscopes. I'll stop. Look at this, to the teaching and to the testimony. Remember when the Pharisees are grilling Jesus about the resurrection? It was actually the Sadducees grilling Jesus about the resurrection. Remember what he said? You don't know the word of God or the power of God. That's your problem. Here it is right here. The teaching and the testimony, you need both. It, when, when, you, when, you, when you go to the teaching of the word and you go to the testimony of people who have followed Jesus, been faithful in their life. That, that's how you get out of these conflicts. That's how you get out of these struggles. Now, now watch, watch what happens here as they keep going. He says, they will pass, verse 21, through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged. They're hangry. And will speak contemptuously against their king and their God. Watch this. And turn their faces upward. Look, they're not getting their needs met. They're greatly distressed. They're hungry, and they're hungry, and they become enraged, and then they start speaking against their king and their God. They're just, they're chirping and muttering, and, and, and they're just speaking out of this, 
distress and out of this hunger. And look, that's what we do. We're humans. Your blood sugar gets just a little bit low. And you get cranky. Feed that child back there by the way. That's what happens. It's a natural response. See, I time this kind of stuff on purpose. This is a natural response of a child, isn't it? They're, They're hungry. They don't feel good. What do they do? They cry. You're 45. You're hungry. You don't feel good. What do you do? You cry. You chirp and you mutter. It says they turn their faces upward. Now watch this. This is, I'm, I'm done. You, okay, all right. They, 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 so they, they like, they, they turn their faces upward. And, and then watch, watch this. And then they look to the earth. But behold, out of distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. And they'll be thrust into darkness. See, here's, here's this pattern that happens. We, we, it starts off with anger. And then it turns to pride. You don't get your needs met and you get prideful. Well, I'm not getting, they're treating me. I, I'm, I'm, I should be. You get all prideful looking up. I don't mean like looking up like, yeah, thank you, Jesus. No, prideful looking up. And then what happens? You start looking down. You know, pride is not thinking too much of yourself. It can be thinking of yourself too much. And then it goes into this panic and this despair. Nine times out of 10, what's going on in, outside you is not about what's outside you, it's inside. I did the meanest thing last week. I, after after the, the SEC championship game, I put on my Facebook page, I put, I put some of y'all saw this, I put, I put Stetson Bennett, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama. No question. Okay, I, I really didn't have a strong opinion, nor does, does the BCS gonna look at my Facebook post, all right? But I just did that to annoy my Big Ten friends, all right? Because I'm just gonna tell you something. If there's anything somebody from the North is afraid of, it's Nick Saban. If you're ever up North, I'm serious, you're ever up North and you're like surrounded by like four people you think they're gonna rob you, just say Nick Saban, they'll run away. They're terrified. Now, we ain't scared of him anymore, are we? No, of course, we ain't playing him this year. But, uh, but, but, but listen, I just did that to annoy them, to see what they would say. And they're like, typical SEC arrogance. And I wrote down 15 out of 16, and, they, and they're like, Clemson's not an SEC school. I'm like, yeah, they are. They just don't know it. We're going to trade Vanderbilt. Think about how simple. If we traded Vanderbilt for Clemson, the world would be in balance. Just, all right, I'll, I'm, all right, I know. But, but, but I just did that to see what they'd say. Here's the interesting thing. These are people who follow me on social media. I got way more comments about that than anything I've written spiritually in the last month. I think I got more than our anniversary. You know, it's like, you know, how do you, Nick, Nick, Nick Saban, because they're terrified of him. This is what happens. When, when you live in this place, and, and, and you're allowing that anguish to build up and to live inside you, it moves towards pride. That, that's, that's how we defend ourselves emotionally. Here's the problem. It's, well, watch this. Don, come here. You don't have to come up on stage, Don. Actually, it'd be better if you do. You want, you want, you want to come up? All right, okay, all right. Don, hold this cup. 
What's in that cup? Water. Okay, what happens when I do this? Get a little wet. Yeah, why did, why, why did that happen? Uh, because you tipped it over. No. The cup. The cup? The water fell out of the cup. The water, t- you're very observant, yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to figure this out. I, I, I'm not safe. Huh? No, it's not about, no. No. Why, why is this happening? Can I get help? Help him, help him, Regina. Because there's water in the cup. There's water in the cup, Don. I knew that. <laughs> you just needed Regina to clarify. Yeah. Don, you look nice today. I just want to, yeah, you look nice today. Thanks for dressing up to, to be in the sermon illustration, all right? The, listen, it's, it's the anguish, the, the conflict, the situation shows what's inside. This is what's going on with God's people. They're in this situation, but God says there's some hope. Look at 9-1, I love this. There'll be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time he brought. Now watch this, it's a little complicated, but you're gonna get it. Into contempt, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. That's the, the two most northern states in Israel. They're the, ones, they're the ones who are getting hit all the time, all the raiders and stuff. You know, you get down to Jerusalem, no, they don't, they don't get to them. But these are the people who are being raided all the time. He says, listen, they're in this anguish, watch this. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea. This is called the prophetic perfect. I'll explain that in just a second. This is about things that are gonna happen. And watch this. The land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. This is what he's saying. I've got a promise for you that's gonna be for your people, but it's also gonna be for every nation in the entire world. There's going to be something that's gonna be amazing that's gonna happen. Here it is, 9-2. The people who walked in darkness have seen, you might wanna underline that in your Bible, a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The light's promised, it's for sure. This is called the prophetic perfect. He says, those who have dwelt in darkness have seen a great light. I showed you the timeline. Have they seen it yet? No, we're still 700 years away. But it's something that you can have so much, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There, there is no question. That they have seen it. They're so confident, you can be so confident that it's gonna happen that you can put it in the past tense or in the present tense. It's called the prophetic perfect in as biblical study, biblical exegesis. It's, it, it's, it, this is something that is absolutely going to happen. Despite our brokenness, there is hope. Verse three. You have multiplied the nation. Watch this. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Do you remember that pattern of you have, you have this need and you have anger and you have pride and then you, you move into despair? Here's the opposite of this. When you start with joy, when you start with acknowledging you have multiplied the nation, you have blessed the nation, God, we, we can be thankful. When, when you start there, when you start in that place, what happens is you get joy. And when you get the joy, watch what happens next. As with joy, what comes next? The harvest. You know what happens when you get a harvest? You know what you're not anymore? 
You're not hangry anymore. The Snickers bars have grown on the plants. You got what you need. As with joy at the harvest, they are glad. Watch this, verse four. For the yoke, you might want to underline that word yoke. And, and the staff, there's another one. And, and the rod of his oppressor. These are, all, these are all phrases of oppression. The yoke and the staff and the rod of the oppressor. The, the staff is the thing that the shepherd would use to, to guide, the rod to punish or to, to drive away things. But these are not your shepherd. This is not Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. No, that's not what this is. No, this is the rod and the staff of the oppressor. This is the yoke of the burden. And he says, you have broken them as on the day of Midian. The oppression is broken just as in the day of Midian. The, the day of Midian, that's the story of Gideon. Remember that story? Deborah, the, the, the woman judge, had, been, had, had brought Israel out of the torment, fought away the, those that had been attacking Israel. And then they fall back into idolatry again, and God raises up Gideon. And, and the Midianites are getting ready to attack, and they got a massive army, 100,000 plus. That's a huge army that time. I mean, that's a huge army. God's people get together, and Gideon says, we gotta go to war. I need every able-bodied man to come. 32,000 guys show up. Farmers, shepherds, craftsmen. We're gonna go to war against them? I mean, this is... This is like facing the giants or something. They go, and, God, and, and, and Gideon says, I got, I got too many. And God says, you remember when I found you? Because back, back in Judges 6.12, he finds Gideon. He's supposed to be the one who's gonna be the leader. You know where he finds him? He's in a wine press and he's, he's working, he's, he's, he's taking care of threshing the wheat down in a wine press. You don't do it down in a wine press. You knead it up, you, 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 you crush it, and you throw it up, and the chaff blows away in the wind, and the wheat kernel falls down. But he's doing it in a wine press because he's so afraid they're gonna come get his food. And the angel of the Lord says, hello there, mighty warrior, <laughs> hiding down in the wine press? Gideon's like, we got too many. We don't have enough. God says, no, you got too many. Just say to them, all you guys that are scared, you can go home. That'd be like saying to our kids this week, you don't want to take the test, your work, just go home. It'll be fine. I'll stop. 10,000 left. So they go to this spring. We were at this spring. I got a video at this spring. This is the, here, let me show you this video of this spring. And this is, this is Gideon Spring right here. No, not like a dog. And this is my friend, this is Dana and Mark. And Mark's showing you how to do it right here. Watch this. Okay, so, so this is what it says in the Bible. He says, they get to the spring and they're thirsty. Now they're real thirsty. Remember this, they're in a, they're in a racetrack to stop and get you Coke Zero at or nothing, okay? So they're on their way and, and they're so thirsty. And, and you know what? Most 9,000... 700 of the 10,000, remember, we're at 10 to 1 now, they dive down, and it, and it literally says in the, in the text, he says, those that are drinking like dogs, send them home. He's got 300 left. 300 left. 
He says, was in the day of Midian. It ain't about the size of your army. It's about your God. Why are you inquiring of the dead to give you life? Because the weapons fear. The weapons almost always fear. It's almost always fear. Look at this. For verse five, for every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, tumult. Think the word tumultuous. It, it's a big battle. And every garment rolled in blood. So your garments, you, you, get, you get defeated. It says will be burned as fuel for the fire. This is what he's saying. The boots of, of, the, of the warrior and your brokenness, it all gets, it's all gone. We're gonna, we're gonna clean up this mess. That's what he's saying. Because because the battle is the fear. I don't want to get hurt. There's, Lord, there, that army sounds too big for me to battle. Any of you guys grew up in a, in a town where you had a fire whistle? I'm the only one. You remember that sound at night? It's terrifying, wasn't it? A little kid and that fire whistle would blow. Or just now, the, the, the trucks run by your house and you hear them, especially if they pull into your neighborhood. Police cars come up, come right into your neighborhood. You hear those, those sirens, terrifying. You hear sounds outside your door. We had somebody try to home invade us years ago. It's terrifying. It's that sound. This is what he says. Those boots, you don't have to be afraid of them. Isaiah 54, 17, anybody know this? No weapon that's formed against us shall prosper. You shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. That might be for somebody specific in this room. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me. See, it's the stomping fear. Daniel and our granddaughter Harper were praying one night, getting ready to turn the light off for her to go to bed. And she said, Daddy, I'm afraid of the dark. Daniel said the wisest thing. He said, sweetheart, you don't have to be afraid because scared things hide in the dark. Turned it around. Turned it around. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. What did they do after they, after they sinned? They went and hid. The poem by Don Francisco unashamed and naked in a garden, never touched by any rain, rulers of a kingdom full of joy, never marred by any pain. The morning all around them seems to celebrate the life they've just begun, and in the majesty of innocence, the king and queen come walking in the sun. But the master of deception now begins with his dissection of the word, and with all his craft and subtlety, the serpent twists the simple truths they've heard. It's what he does. While hanging in the balance is a world that's been placed at their command as all their unborn children die, both of them bow down to Satan's hand. But remember what God does when he comes into the garden when they're hiding. What he says, it's not what have you done. Because late in the evening, in the cool of the day, they hear the sound of God as he is walking, but they can't abide his presence, and they try to hide away, but still they hear the sound of him calling, Adam, Adam, 
Where are you? Scared things hide in the dark. Brave things don't. Things hide in the dark because that's the only place they can gain the advantage. But he is the light. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Get ready, Tim. For to us, a child is born. Underline that word us, to us. Maybe some of your Bibles say, for unto us, a child is born. A son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. The, the words in Hebrew, Victor Hamilton could explain this to you far better than me. His Hebrew is zillion times better than mine. But, but this is what it's, these are, these verbs here, these Hebrew verbs talk about the divinity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. A son is born, a child is born, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulder and his name will be called, watch this. And I ask you this morning as I, cho- as I close church, wh- which of these gods do you need today? You, as you get older, you got more names. You know, when, when you're born, it's, it's sweetie or baby and but then you got your name, it's on your birth certificate. Then you go to school and you get some nicknames, don't you? Some of them aren't fun. Some of you still hear them. Then maybe words spoken over you, different names like that, but that's not the way these names work. I I personally like the name Grandpa a lot. But look at these. Wonderful Counselor. That word wonderful tied with counselor, it means miraculous wisdom. It's one who, the, the, the one wonderful, it's miraculous. You see, there are, listen, there, nothing in scripture ever goes against get medical help. That includes help for mental illness. But listen, there are things God can show you your counselor can't. Wonderful counselor. Get your Bible, get your journal, pray. He'll show you stuff. You may not like it. Sometimes I don't. This week, he's been doing that to me. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't like it. Miraculous counselor, mighty God. He's the warrior protector. Maybe you need him to be that warrior protector. Everlasting father. He's not leaving you. He's not slamming the door at midnight. Everlasting Father. There's no need of another one. There's no need of a, of a lineage after him. No one else has to come and, and be that, that person again. The Prince of Peace. It's the authority to bring an end to the wrong. Listen, any terrorist with a suitcase can start a war. Any, any sociopath with a gun can ruin the lives of dozens of people. It takes a king to bring peace. Peace takes incredible authority, incredible power. Step into a situation and bring peace. And this is what he says he is. He's the prince of peace. He's the light of the world. And when it's dark enough, just a little bit of light all it takes. I was caving with some kids once and we got into this room, it was about this big. I said, everybody turn your headlights off. Pastor Randy, it's scary in here. 
Well, nothing's changed. Except you can't see anything. But we're in a room about this big. I lit a match. You know what's amazing? When you light a match in a room that's totally dark, you can see, you can see everywhere. When it's dark enough, a little bit of light does. Look what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and He was God. He was in the beginning with God, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And I love this. Verse 5, John 1. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's not prophetic perfect, because John had already seen it. But let me tell you what John writes, it is prophetic perfect. Revelation 22.3, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And those of us that are bald, we just got bigger places for God to write. <laughs> Giving him lots of space. And night will be no more. They will need, listen to this, they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me these words are trustworthy and true. The light of the world, the people who have walked in darkness, the people who have been in darkness, have seen a great light. I ask you two questions as my brother Tim comes up here to share a word for us. Because it is about the teaching and the testimony, and we're gonna do more testimony. We need more testimony. Are you going to places of death to find light? Are you going back to places of death to find light? There's no life there. Should not a people inquire of their God? Do you need him to be wonderful counselor? Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, I got good news for you. He is. He is. Tim, come up here and tell us what God's been doing. Hello. I'm supposed to say, I'm supposed to say, band, come up, because uh, testimony sounds so much Wor better. Worship when, team. Worship team, come up. Not band, that's, that's Wednesday night. Wednesday night, band. Yeah, no. Testimony sounds so much better with, with the piano playing behind you. It makes you sound way more spiritual. <clears throat> so uh, I'm Tim Broncom. I'm one of the elders here. And by the way, that's proof to everybody in here that God can use anyone, okay? So if I can be an elder in this church, God can use anyone. Uh, Randy asked for a testimony today, and I had to look up what testimony meant so I could make sure I, I covered that. It says, and Daniel Webster says that it's a public recounting of a religious experience. So religious experience, I would say uh, June 10th of this year was a religious experience that changed my life. I went from an annual physical that you're supposed to get annually, which I hadn't, and um, 
I went from 9 a.m., an annual physical, to 4 p.m. getting a CAT scan and being told I have cancer. And uh, that, was a, that was an experience. And let me tell you something. When you get faced with uh, mortality right in front of your face, you start thinking about your mortality. And um, a couple things that, I, that, that came to mind was, you know, I told, I told everybody, I put it out on, you know, the glorious Facebook and then everybody says, oh, I'm praying for you. You know, I prayed in that back corner for dozens of people in this church. Dozens. And I've never felt like when I hear I'm praying for you, when I hear that, I'm like, okay, great, thanks. That means a lot. But until you really, really need that prayer, does it really feel like that's that it's ever happened before? For me, it was the first time in my life that I've really felt God's presence. I mean, I know that sounds crazy. You know, I grew up in the church. I'm a preacher's kid. I, I grew up, I know all the stories. I know the verses. But for the first time in my life, I felt prayed for. And I felt God's presence in my life. I was like, God's going to get me through this. Well, no matter what happens, and everybody says, oh, why you? Why does this happen to you? Why, why me is that phrase you've heard before. And I decided to say, why not me? Why, what makes me different than anybody else? I know there's people in this church going through the same stuff. I know it. And I've, I've seen their witness. I've seen the struggles that they have with health. And I just decided not only the prayer part, but the joy part. I was like, well, radiation ripped my beautiful beard off. Well, I still got hair on the top of my head. That's, that's joyful for me. I was happy. Um, think, things that happen in your life like this. Find joy in it. And I was talking to the elder board um, a couple weeks ago, and the, I, I, this is the verses that I was leaning on, guys. And you... And, and when you're going through hard times, by the way, one of the effects of, of uh, cancer treatment is that you get, uh, my mouth is dry. By the way, I put the water in that cup so I know it's okay. It's something that, uh, in, in my throat, and it was in my throat, and, um, and one of the things, I was like, I can still talk. Thank God for that. And the, the verse that I wanted to, that I shared with the elder board, I want to share with you. This is First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I thought this was a really cool way of saying it in the message verse. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. No matter what happens. Because guess what? This can go one way or the other, guys right? And then it says, this is the way God wants you who belong in Christ Jesus to live. He wants, this is how he wants us to live. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what. No matter what. That's hard. I mean, there's been bad times in the last six months. Bad times. And if you've ever gone through chemotherapy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And Randy was like, I want you to give a testimony about 
what's happening in your life. So June 10th was a rough day, but December 10th was a great day. Last night, um, I was supposed to get some news about my situation Monday. And Randy said, I want you to speak on Sunday. I was like, well, that's not going to work if I don't have some good news. Well, it's amazing how God works at about 9 o'clock last night. I got, uh, I got my PET scan results back, and I am cancer-free. Praise be to God. And I'm, I'm so thankful for this church and the prayer warriors that I see out here that I know we're praying for me. And guys, if you need prayer, believe in it. It's powerful. There's somebody going to be standing back there at that cross. And don't sit here in your chair and say, my situation isn't that important. It's not cancer. It's something little. Nothing's little to be prayed about. If you need it, you walk back to that cross and you pray, okay? Because I'm just telling you it's important. Prayer is important, guys. And, And trust in it. And that's all I got to say. Worship team, come on up here. We're, we're going to pray this morning. If you need a wonderful counselor, maybe God's showing you something. Maybe you need a comfort that's bigger than anything humans can give you. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. Maybe you're going up against an enemy that's bigger than you. Ain't bigger than God. Maybe it's the everlasting Father. You just need that confidence of knowing that somebody's got you. That's Listen, if you've had a good daddy in life, you know this. You know there's always somebody, doesn't matter how old you are, you can call your dad. Somebody will always be here to listen to you and your mom and the Prince of Peace going through something and there just isn't any peace he can bring that in so as we take communion this morning as we remember this promise let's um, let's celebrate that let's worship him can we stand church I, I want to pray over you Jesus I thank you for your faithfulness this week your goodness and your faithfulness are just as real when the report's not good as it is when it's when it's amazing so we celebrate this morning this covenant this promise that you came and you walked this earth with your body but then the prophetic promise the prophetic perfect is your blood it's a new covenant big enough that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We celebrate that this morning. We come to you with our hurts, with our problems, and we trust in that in Jesus' name.